Welcome to Spartan Up Podcast. I'm Johnny Waite. I have a very special guest, Zach Evanesh, who is no stranger to podcasting. We learn a lot from this guy. It's fantastic. Sephra, Tim Nye, and behind the camera, Marion and Andrea, who make us look Yay! good. Hey, speaking of looking good, this guy is incredible. This interview is with Joe Polish. Um, you know, you know Joe. Yes. Uh, you'd said about the most well-connected guy you've ever met. That's what he is. He's known as being an, the, a connector. You, if you want to meet somebody, you need to get in touch with Joe. And he has overcome some, you know, amazing life challenges. And the stuff he's doing now is truly transformational i think this is could be one of the most inspiring spartan up podcast That's episodes ever That's yeah hey, awesome. pressure is on let's do it we are here in arizona for spartan up podcast with joe polish that's right like nail polish like nail polish or shoe polish whatever so I, we don't know each other. Yeah, I, um, I, I, a couple of people over over the years have said you got to meet this guy. You got to meet this guy. I haven't been in Arizona. I showed up in Arizona today. My shoulders dropped. I don't know what you guys got in the air here, but but it works because mm-hmm. I'm pretty relaxed, and I'm learning about you. Um, you pulled out a Fortune magazine. Yeah, Joe is uh, recognized in this magazine. Yep, as. Um, what do you do? It's this genius network. People pay like Gosh, I do, I do a lot of things, but yeah. I have the highest level um, discussion group for what I would call industry transformers and marketers in the world, uh, meaning people that are at a certain income level, uh, some of the best people in the world at their category uh, would be an industry transformer. You would be an example of that. Okay? Right. You are the number one guy in the world at what you do, right? An industry transformer. Yeah, so, you know, I, but I'm not a big buzzword speak guy. I mean, there are certain analogies and things that I use, but yeah, I just get together with really incredibly bright, um, you know, business people and we figure it out. We, uh, How'd the idea come about? Well, I had been, uh, my background is I started out as a Debro carpet cleaner living off credit cards. And I learned marketing uh, back in 1992 was my first uh, introduction to marketing. It, it actually makes sense because you'd have to be a pretty damn good marketer to get the carpet cleaning jobs. Right? Well, yeah, when you have to figure out how to successfully sell something nobody wants to buy, right. you learn a lot about sales and persuasion because nobody, want, nobody like, wakes up it. saying, I wish I could hire a carpet cleaner. Right. You know, buying clothes or going to restaurants or doing fun shit. You know, people like to do that, but no one wants to hire a carpet cleaner. It's like going and getting your license renewed. Nobody looks forward to that. So I, I kind of got stuck in this accidental industry. I racked up about $30,000 in, in credit card debt. and I In Arizona? Yeah, yeah. And I was given a marketing newsletter by a friend of mine that talked about uh, it, it had this concept, can and clone yourself. So, you know, how do you take a message and how do you replicate it? Because the best salesperson in the world is limited by the clock. But if you, with the right sales letter, you can talk to one person, you can talk to 10, 100, 1,000, sure, millions sure. of people. So I, I applied marketing to, to, the, to my carpet cleaning business, turned it around because I learned all kinds of robotic methods of using education-based marketing to sell carpet cleaning. And I was learning all these techniques by studying people in the direct mail business. And okay. back then there was no internet. So when you have to rely on words and headlines and offers and social proof and calls to action and creating a sense of urgency uh, and doing that robotically, uh, you get pretty damn good at at sales and persuasion. So I define selling as what you do when you're on the phone or face-to-face with somebody, and marketing is what you do to get someone on the phone or face-to-face with you properly positioned so by the time they talk to you, they're pre-interested, pre-motivated, pre-qualified, predisposed to give you money. So I built up this you know, business, I started teaching other carpet cleaners and became the largest training organization in the world to professional carpet and upholstery cleaners. I was, was going to ask, if you're doing well, you can only clean so many carpets yourself. So, mm-hmm. so you turned it into a training business. Turned it into a training Because yeah. here's the thing. I fell in love with the fact that you can change words on an ad or on paper and it would totally influence humans that you never even talk to. And there was something fascinating to me because marketing is applied psychology. Sure. I've always been interested in human behavior, but if you really want to learn human behavior, figure out how to persuade it. Not just hear about it, not just read about it, but literally influence people to spend more money to buy more things, but doing it in an ethical way. I mean, I, 
uh, you know, in the carpet cleaning industry, as an example, there's a lot of bait-and-switch carpet cleaners. So I became the biggest advocate against bait-and-switch. I went on ABC's 2020 back in wow. 1999 with Barbara Walters. We did it, you know, teaching people how to ethically choose carpet. I started ethicalservices.com. <laughs> I mean, all of this came from right. the mindset that all money earned ethically is a byproduct of value creation. But if you've got something really great, how do you get paid for it? How do you make a profit? How do you create referability? How do you not do transaction marketing? How do you do relationship marketing, which requires you to actually be a decent human being and deliver what you say you're going to deliver? And so all of that stuff was fascinating. And along the way, I started doing big boot camps and big conferences. And I started doing... You, you, you must have been a good speaker. I, I'm an okay speaker. I mean, like, I, 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 most people, I think, consider me a great speaker. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm always... I, uh, I always beat myself up. I always think I could do better. No, but I mean to make it from I cleaned swimming pools mm-hmm. and I didn't I wasn't with Barbara Walters. Yeah. So, right? <laughs> and I wasn't I wasn't the largest training organization of pool cleaners. Right. So, you must have been a good you must have been captivating. Yeah, I mean more than anything, I was a nervous wreck when I first started speaking. I got good at it. More than anything, though, the concepts and the methodologies that I taught worked. Like, for instance, I mean, got it. So even if you didn't speak well, it was what you were. The message was powerful. What I sold to other people right. when they implemented my ideas, they got results. Got my it. ideas worked. It was never about giving someone a concept. I mean, I gave them proven strategies. It wasn't theoretical. It wasn't my opinion. The, these things actually worked. Yeah, data. Oh, tons. Right. Yeah, tons. I mean, in the service industries alone, from clients that we can even loosely track, yeah. well, it's generated over $2 billion of revenue for my wow. clients. Wow. You know, and I mean, you know, we've got over 8,000 professional cleaning companies. In the late 90s, I licensed my materials to all kinds of different service industries. So we have tens of thousands of, uh, of service businesses that have used my marketing Your system. And, and it was a book? or and you got No, it was, it was actually book. courses. This is yeah. this book, which hasn't even been released yet. I, yeah. This is the first uh, pre-release version that you're getting of the Average Joe's Marketing Book, um, so, which is all about... And that's, that, that's the whole concept, the last 25 years? Yeah, a good portion of it, yeah. Right. Yeah, that's the part, at least the marketing strategies, like uh, on how, how to use uh, how to use sales letters, how to use principle-based stuff. I tried to write a book that would not be timely but timeless because right, you know, there's three things you need sure. in order to sell something. You need a product or service, yeah. whatever it is you do. Uh, you know, you got Spartan. Yeah. You need a, a sales pitch, a marketing message, what you say, how you say it, how it's put out through social media, how people talk about it. And then the third thing is you need a, de- a delivery system. So what most people focus on, I'm a carpet cleaner, how do I tell people about it? I'm a plumber, how do I tell people about it? I have a graphic design business. But their marketing message typically sucks. And so how do you create a really compelling message because only the hungriest fish will snap at the crappiest bait. So how do you, how do you, you know, do really right. make something and that's, compelling? And that's the book? Yep. yep. And, and well, the, bo- the book, too, is a mindset. Uh, you can have a half business, which I describe as hard, annoying, lame, and frustrating. It could be hard, annoying, lucrative, and frustrating. Or you can have an elf business, which is easy, lucrative, and fun. So rarely is anything in the beginning easy. I mean, you're I've gonna yet, have, I've had a lot of businesses. I've never had an elf business. It's never well, easy. Here, here's the thing: if you right. can, one of the most difficult things for entrepreneurs is how do you sell what it is you're selling? And if you can systemize and replicate that, because of all the different things in the company when it comes to profitability, the one areas that bring in the money are the sales and marketing divisions. Sure. And marketing is actually selling in advance. And so if you can if you can systemize and automate how people buy from you and if if you have a team of salespeople but you put out marketing messages that had people show up to your websites or to your events or to your store or to your clinic or whatever it is that someone does that are properly positioned, again, pre-interested, pre-motivated, pre-qualified, and predisposed. it makes everyone's job a lot easier. So my whole thing is, how do you position yourself in advance? And the way I did it in carpet cleaning was instead of running name, rank, serial number ads, who I am, what I do, phone number, website, you know, I would literally put out education. I would put out information that people didn't know they didn't know. For instance, my very first sales letter to sell a carpet cleaning thing was call and request a consumer's guide to carpet cleaning. And so it would say, read this guide and discover six costly misconceptions about carpet cleaning. Seven questions ask a carpet cleaner before inviting them into your home. Uh, crawling critters and crud, a guide to the slime, grime, and livestock that's seeping, creeping, and galloping through your carpet. How to avoid four carpet cleaning ripoffs. Now, all of those things are templates. They're formulaic. If you're a graphic designer or a personal trainer, you know, seven questions ask a personal trainer before sure, you hire. Sure, right. These are all formulaic things. And so when I started using that, instead of 
people, you know, calling and saying, how much do you charge? They would call and request valuable, useful information that would teach them how to make an informed, intelligent decision. Because the number one question in everyone's mind is, who can I trust? And so your job as a entrepreneur or business owner, anyone is who can I trust? If you want to get a date with someone sure. and they don't trust you, marketing applies to everything. Sure. It's literally how you position yourself. So I learned that, started teaching carpet cleaners, then I started teaching general business owners and built like you know this, this great coaching program. And one of my uh, colleagues in the information publishing business, a, a woman by the name of Robin Robbins, who is currently the you know, the largest trainee, trainer for computer IT businesses on how to build and grow their companies. She hired me for consulting probably 12 years ago. And, she, and at the time, I was charging uh, $3,000 an hour. And wow. so she and I had minimums of... It's more than um, the law firm. Oh, oh I tr- I'm, I'm 25 grand for half a day when I do consulting, wow. and I try to talk. You gave me four hours here. <laughs> this is big. Yeah, no, I mean, I, yeah, no, I, yeah, I'm very interested in what you're doing, and I'm, I'm happy to do this. So, and I know you're, I know what, you, what you're trying to do with helping a lot of people out there about related to success and just helping them achieve. And so, I, I get a big kick out of all of that. Same Appreciate reason I do my that. podcast too. Yeah. I just love putting Help, information out into the world that you know. Because think about how many people will watch this that I never have to talk to one on one because I couldn't. Sure. But you see. You're canning and cloning all these people that good you're point. interviewing, yeah, and you're point. putting it out there, and you're adding value to the world. People don't need to buy anything. Does it brand your company? Of course. Does it allow you to learn things? Why? It's the same here. You know, same reason I do. You, you, interviewing people is a great way to get perspective. Get I get these them. great sentences here and there, right? I feel like now all of, I sound a lot smarter. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and you've been amazing. I've been talking to you for an hour, and um, stuff just rolls off your tongue. You're like a computer. Yeah, well, I have very uh, I have very selective memory. If you ask me, like, what was the movie I went to like two nights ago, I couldn't describe it. But if you ask me about quotes, if you ask me about business things, I can it just rolls right yeah. off. Your, yeah, pretty amazing. I, I put a lot of work into it. Yeah. you know, just like you. You know, anyone that knows something, you, you, there's a lot of hours behind this. So yeah, so I started. Uh, Robin, she suggested. She goes, "Why don't you do a uh, high level group for uh, info, info marketers?" And I said, "Well." Like anything else, you have to build it, you have to deliver it, you have to package it. But if I did... What's an info marketer? People that sell books and courses and coaches and stuff, uh, which is what she was. She was in the the information marketing business. A lot of people call it the expert industry now. Uh Um, But basically, I said, well, if I did, what would you pay for it? She goes, well, shit, I just paid you $6,000 for two hours, and I got tons of value out of that. I'd easily pay twenty five grand a year. And so I repeated it back to her. I said, you would pay $25,000 a year if I did this? And she's like, yeah, and I would refer other people into it. And so I was like, let me think about it. So I thought about it for about a month. I talked to uh, several of my friends that I usually would call them for advice. And I said, if I organized a group and facilitated really great discussions, would you join it if I charge twenty five grand a year? And everyone I talked to said, said yeah, yes. I would do it. So I started Genius Network. Uh, at that was when? Yeah, that was in 2000, and, and uh, I think 2005, uh, 2006. Yeah. Either yeah. end of 2005, beginning of 2006. I can't even remember. But our first official meeting was uh, in 2006. And so, How many people? Uh, 20 people at the time. Nice. Nice. And I thought that's all I was going to do. I was like, nice. I'm just going to create my own school of industry transformers. You know, badasses that I could meet with. I'll get paid half. You're going to learn something? Yeah, I'll right. get paid half a million a year for facilitating. Right. It'll be a great school that I create for myself and create value for others. And I fell in love with it. Now it's one of my favorite things that I do. In my, I mean, I do a lot of different things. You're still doing the other business as well or no? Yeah, I still right. own that. I still yeah. own that training business, which is Piranha Marketing. Nice. And uh, Genius Network. We now have uh, 252 uh, members in our uh, $25,000 a year group, and then we have a thing called Genius X, which is what's in the Fortune magazine. Those are for the big guys, uh, that's big a, girls. That's a, yeah. Well, they're all they're all uh, high level people. Uh, so you know, everyone has to have at least a million dollar a year business to even join Genius wow. Network. Uh, but yeah, I have you know I have a billionaire that's in the group. I have wow. uh, like you know lots of people that are doing anywhere between you know uh, 80 million to 500 million in sales. I mean, I've got some amazing. Uh, entrepreneurs and then a, a bunch of people that are five to ten million dollars in business. And they meet once a year? No, in Genius Network they meet uh, three times a year, yeah. two, two times in my office headquarters, two days at a time, and then once a year I have an annual event called Genius Network Annual Event, and that's where I have I've had you know uh, Richard Branson, I've had bringing speakers Brown. as well. Yes, got yes. it. Yeah, this year I have you know Randy Zuckerberg from. Uh, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's sister, and I wow. had John Mackey from Whole Foods last year, and I get my friends from Shark Tank, Damon John and you know, Kevin Harrington and, you know, uh, John Paul DeJoria. You know, I've had all and, kinds of... And the of goal is everybody gets smarter. 
Yeah, it's actually a setup. It's really to connect people with each other. It's a tribe of tribal leaders. Got but it. I got to give them content so that they, sure. you know, so we do 10-minute talks. And in 10 minutes, uh, people share a best practice or a strategy that's been worth at least a quarter million dollars or more to them. And they've got 10 minutes to do it. So every minute is worth $25,000. Like and so we do 10-minute talks. But yeah. honestly, my goal and objective is to just reduce suffering. Uh, some of the hardest, most driven, high-achieving people are not viewed um, by the public uh, in the light that I would prefer they view themselves, meaning they, if they make a lot of money, they don't get a lot of sympathy if they're going through personal problems. Sure. And as you know from running a company, you go to war. I mean, it's Every hard. Day. You know, Every day. It's hard. Yeah. And so the Even thing, when you're successful, you've uh, you got to question that <laughs> because it's a battle all day, every day. Mm-hmm. It is, and especially if you're, you know, someone that's creating enormous value in the world. Because I, uh, you know, the definition of an entrepreneur was coined by a guy named John Baptiste. Say, in 1804, was the first recorded use of entrepreneur. Was he? Um, was he the guy that invented paper money? Was that the same guy? No, I don't no. believe okay. so. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a French guy, and yeah. he, he uh, yeah, he just. There's, said, a, there's a book called Millionaire. I, it might be. That about, we're like going yeah, yeah, yeah. to connect on, on that. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. yeah. But he, he said it, an entrepreneur is someone yeah. that takes resources from a lower level of productivity to a higher level. Right. And so the way that I look at uh, entrepreneurship is if you can take your thinking from one level to another level. I mean, if I, if I think about what you're doing for people, there's probably things that you, do, that you know that you do. If I looked at, like, okay, someone entering a Spartan race, what is that going to do for their... Uh, wherewithal. What is that uh, going to do for their uh, their esteem? What is that going to do for their physical health? What is that going to do for their ability to take risks? What is that going to do for their relationships? Like, what all, what are all the byproducts of entering into your world uh, when someone goes into that world and, and they start here and they go through it and they like? Let me ask you, like, what have you seen happen? Not just physically to people, but psychologically to people when they go through start. So, so I get um. And, and I'm going to let you interview me too, if you if you if we don't run out of four hours, because I don't want to spend twenty five thousand for yeah. the interview. But, but um, it's the biggest thing is change your frame of reference. Mm-hmm. So so, and I get hundreds of emails daily, as I'm sure you do, yeah. that say uh, I was an addict, I was getting divorced, I was overweight, I was leaving my husband or my wife, and I found Spartan, and it changed my life. And so you say to yourself, um, how could this? obstacle race, this military-inspired obstacle race, really do all that, but it changes somebody's frame of reference. And what I mean by that is uh, if you and I had grown up in Eastern Europe and we faced some problems, let's say Wi-Fi didn't work on the airplane today, we wouldn't get upset, right? But if you grew up in a really cushy upbringing, you're going to be pissed off on Wi-Fi because your expectations are a lot higher. So all we do is just strip away all those expectations, throw them literally in the mud, or just in a, in a really fucked up situation where they're broken. Yeah. They come out of it. The things that normally affect them don't seem as bad anymore. Yeah. So I don't know if that sounds crazy or not, but that's it in a nutshell. I mean, it steals you. I mean, it, it, it does things that will just, you know, and again, I speak out of this from ignorance because I've never been in a Spartan competition, yep. you yep. know. But, uh, well, we're gonna when this is done, we're gonna do 300 burpees. So okay. um, I can't, I cannot wait. I'm just excited about that. <laughs> It'll be like downward dog. It'll be fine. <laughs> It'll be like yeah, yoga. it's funny because I did. You know, here's here's like my take on this because I think you, okay. you you know. So so to finish this thought, yeah. I'll give you my take on what I was gonna yeah. say. Uh, I try to look at everything through the lens of entrepreneurship. Like when most people think of uh, innovation or you know. It, taking resources from one level to another, it'll be like someone has an axe and someone invents a chainsaw, so they made a better invention. Well, whenever you can take the human mind from one level to another, you're being entrepreneurial. And there's a lot of ways to make money by selling that isn't all that useful, that is very damaging, that hurts people. Most of the stuff in the world. Yeah. Most yeah. of it, right? So a lot of the food is garbage, right. yep. the drugs, the people that are mired uh, in addictive substances, the amount yep. of you know, companies that sell things that add zero value to someone's life, and, and, and some that actually kill people. And they're, you, know, you can use business strategy, you can use you know, ruthless negotiating, you can be very savvy about doing that, but you know, that's not... You know, when someone asks me what is success, you know, because I know that's a question you ask a that's lot a of people. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, there, there's I've thought about that a lot, and what success is 
to me is different than what it is to anyone else. My, my version of success, uh, what's most important to, to me is, uh, we go back to a conversation I had with a, an author named Poe Bronson years ago in a bookstore, and he's written a bunch of books, and he's, he's interviewed all kinds of people, rich, poor, handicapped, athletes, famous, you know, you name it. And he said, you know, when you boil it down, what human beings want is more woo and less ah. Right. You know, right. and I thought, like, you know, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, it's yeah. just I, I want more woo, and I want less ah. But the but the things that gives me woo, uh, I, do I like money? Yeah, but not all money is created equal. My my right. buddy Dan Sullivan, who's one of my best friends, you know, he's, he runs he's coached more successful entrepreneurs than anyone in the world. Someone you definitely should interview. He's in his seventies, and he runs a program called Strategic Coach, and he talks about there's five ways to get paid. So, and I used to always read these books of how much do you want to make per hour? What are you doing with your time? Schedule your time. Are you making that? And, and I would always find myself spending time with people that were interesting to me but weren't the highest return on money. I mean, there were in, in activities that I, and I would find, I'd be like, I'm not very disciplined or what the hell's wrong with me and why can't I focus and why, and what it boiled down to when I learned this process, it's like there's other ways to get paid other than money. So the five ways to get paid one is reward, where people give you money. The second is people utilize you. They, they utilize your advice. I don't like throwing pearls before swine. I like giving advice to people that will actually use it. That's why I charge a lot of money because I'm dealing with yeah. people that will make an investment. Yeah. Uh, so do they utilize you? Three, do they appreciate you? Four, well, do they refer you? And five, does it enhance you? And so for me, whenever I get involved with people, projects, things, my number one criteria of getting involved in a business deal getting involved, is, one, does it enhance me? Does it simply make me a better person? Like my Genius Network group, I get paid very well, run a multi-million dollar business, and, you know... You're learning, I'm and you're, learning, getting, you're getting I'm getting benefit. paid. Yeah, to, yeah to, right. it's, it's great. If Second, they didn't pay you, you would do it. Exactly. Right. And I tell them that. But if, right. if, 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 if people they didn't don't, pay you, they wouldn't show up. Yeah. If, right. you, if, if people don't pay, they don't pay attention. Right. So, and that's one of the challenges we have. With, like when I say we, me and you, yeah. we put out tons of stuff out for free. Videos yeah. and, and podcasts and everything. Yeah. And if people actually had to pay for it, they would take it ten times seri- I, more serious. I, I got to interrupt you. I got, te- I got a WhatsApp um, late last night, two in the morning, from a guy that's been asking for advice. Mm-hmm. Really good-looking guy, ripped, very smart, all the capabilities in the world. And he's been hitting me up now for a few months, friend of a friend. It's 2 in the morning last night, and I'm saying to myself, why are you still awake? Like, the advice I gave you when we spoke was up early, you know, do this, work hard, all these things. And so, well, I just got to come see you. And I thought to myself, you know what, you're not... It's a waste of time for me. Mm-hmm. You're not listening to what I'm telling you. Yeah. So hanging out with me is not going to... So I'm with you. Yeah. Well, like, I, th- I think it was Emerson. I'm, I, might, I may be wrong, but he has a quote where it's, uh, you ask for a new idea when you haven't used the, la- the first one I gave you. Right. You know, some people, right. What's, what do I do? Right. What, what, right. what are you doing? I already told you. Right. Here's the fundamentals. Right. Like, wake up early. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so it's like, uh, what, what I found out is, does it enhance me first? Do people utilize me second? Do they appreciate me third? Do they refer me fourth? And do they pay me fifth? I'm a capitalist. I like money. I'm not going to get involved in business deals if there's not a profitability. Because the thumb. The thumb is important. That was the last one. Exactly. (laughs) The thumb. And so, so you you got to be able to have profits in order to run an enterprise. You can't employ people. You can't put stuff out to the world. So that, however, like without the other things, I had a very famous. Um, I had a very famous um, um, musician join my group. I won't mention her name because it's kind of crude. Uh, how, how, how crude can I be on this? Uh, crude on this? as you want. Okay. So she was bitching about Hollywood and she was bitching about a TV show. And this is world famous for it. Sold yeah. over 60 million albums. And uh, she was like talking about how bad like the agencies and lawyers and people in Hollywood were. And, but she was doing the show for money. And I said, well... You know, the problem with, uh, with prostitution, the biggest problem with prostitution is when you got to suck the fat man's <laughs> and And she looked at me like, you just said that. And I was with a group of people. Uh-huh. And we have this whole thing on video and stuff. Uh-huh. And it was like, it was a very crude thing to say. And I wasn't trying to say just to simply be crude. I was doing it to make a point. And, and she said, she goes, you're right. That's exactly what happens. And I said, if you are just getting paid, but you're not getting appreciated, right. enhanced, uh, utilized, refer, you're, you're, it's, it's like prostitution. And right. the worst thing is to be engaged in it without knowing you're in it. Like if you know that the only reason you're interacting with this person or this business is because you need money, 
having that awareness is is great. And you're okay with it, then that's what you're doing. Yeah, right. not having that awareness. Right. So that's why most people hate what they do for a living. Right. Is they can't, they, they don't, don't even look understand. At, right. Yeah, they don't right. have a criteria. Right. So going back to success, you know, success is like. I could never, I could have a billion dollars, but if that money came from hurting people, if it came from extracting, like, you know, causing suffering, uh, selling a product that that just was shit, I mean, I I could never go to bed. So, like, I, you know, there's a lot of things that I I can't tell you how many uh, potential partners or sponsors have approached us, but it's not healthy, and I won't do it. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, you got to put that, you don't have to, but that's, I put that line in the sand. Because money's not worth it. Yeah. Right? If you're going to be upset, then... It, it isn't. No, no, right? in, in, you, no amount of money is worth uh, the mental anguish of yeah. guilt and shame and regret. And, and, and now, again, I'm speaking for myself. Like, there are certain people, success to them would be not only beat the competitor, but make them hurt. You know, right. I mean, there's, like, different people have a different criteria. Sure. For me, though... You know, success is like peace of mind. Sure. You know, and, and, and I will tell you this, though. Uh, if I had all the money in the world right now, I would put all of it towards uh, the treatment and figuring out how to change the global conversation well, about how we view addicts. Because that's one take of a biggest... break. We're going to come back and talk about that because I wanted to talk about that. I hope you're not sitting still while you listen. If you are, you better get a burpee break in. Be sure to join us next week when our guest is Naval Ravikant, who is the CEO of AngelList. And what you're going to love about this, this guy drops so much real-life wisdom in such an inspiring way. Honestly, this is life-changing stuff. Uh, so how do they make sure they see that? Well, you can listen to us on iTunes. You can watch us on YouTube. And on both of those, you can subscribe so you can make sure that you never miss getting to hang out with us each week. And, uh, yeah. Look forward to seeing you guys next week. We'd also ask that you share it with all your friends. Be part of our mission. Rip people off the couch and change lives. We are back. I want to talk about Artists for Addicts. So tell me about this passion project. Well, Artists for Addicts, uh, I was uh, a terrible drug addict. Uh, When I was uh, 18 years old in my worst state, I weighed Pre-carpet cleaning. Oh, yeah, yeah. Pre-carpet cleaning. So growing up, my mother died when I was four. Uh, My... Father was tormented. He never uh, remarried. He lost the love of his life. We moved every two years my entire childhood. Uh, raised Catholic, so there was a lot of guilt associated with that. I did not have good experiences in the Catholic Church. I was molested as a kid. I used to get paid money to not say anything about it. I was a super shy, introverted kid. I had my liking of sports ruined by a sadistic little league coach that forced me to hold the baseball bat in a certain way where I could never hit the ball. So it, like, it's interesting how... Uh, certain experiences will shift the entire focus, goals, interests, and likings of your entire life. And so I don't have many memories of my childhood being all that pleasant. Uh, And so I was in a lot of um, fear and a lot of mental anger. You got out of it. You found drugs. I found drugs, and that made made me outgoing. It allowed me to open up. There was a lot of fun times I had with it. The problem is, uh, you know, like the line, one one line is... uh, uh, you know, uh, what, what is it? Well, one. You haven't slipped on a saying yet. So. Yeah, I, I'm just, I want to make sure if I'm going to use drug quote analogies, I get them right. Yeah. Uh, one line is too, uh, too much, but the largest line is never enough. You right. know, it's like the thing with, with addiction, it's either deprivation or excess. There's no middle ground. Sure. And so I found drugs and I started, you know, getting high every day, smoking pot, then I started, you know, speed and then snort, snorting crystal meth and snorting coke cocaine and then eventually freebasing and uh, you know I was a wreck and I um, nearly died I mean I weighed, a, I weighed 105 pounds in my worst state when wow. I was 18 years old so if you can imagine a 5'10 male that's uh, you know 18 years old weighs 100 it's pretty skinny pretty skinny and that was at my worst state and so but on average so I didn't lift weights how, I didn't how exercise. did somebody come out of that like what like I removed myself from my environment I mean literally I you woke w- up one day and you said this like because that's a hard thing to get out of right I had a roommate that was living with uh, me and my brother uh, who was f- who my brother's you know four and a half years older than me and he busted into the um, apartment that we were living in like he literally just 
to open the door with a can of lighter fluid, losing his mind. And, started, and I was there with one of my friends watching TV in this you know, small living room in this apartment complex. And started, he was just spraying lighter fluid everywhere over uh, m- me, my friend. I mean, I, I had lighter fluid dripping off my eyebrows. I mean, it's all happened in like a you know, few but seconds. But he was out of his mind. This wasn't to he was, straighten you out. This was... He was right. on, he was high. Got it. And he showed up high as shit and he was right. freaking out. And he pulled out a, a match. He's like, I'm going to fucking torch this place. And, and I'm like talking him down, put it down, put it down. And like... That was, that was it. I have got to get the hell out of here or I'm going to die. Right. And I was in my worst state, and I literally packed up my pickup truck, and I drove to New Mexico and lived in a trailer uh, for two years and got sober. I removed myself from all my friends, all access to drugs. I ended up getting uh, a, a job selling gym memberships after a few months. You're 20 years old then. I was like a 19, uh, late you know, eight, yeah, 18, 18, 18 19 20, years yeah. old, yeah, and I, and so uh, I, I ended up moving back when I was, uh, you know, almost 22 years old, uh, but I'd gotten sober, and I started exercise, I started work, but here's what, what happened, when I moved to New Mexico, I got away from the environment, and, I, and every day I had to literally take aspirin or Tylenol just because the headaches and the withdrawals were intense, and it was Grueling. What and percentage of people can do it cold turkey like that? Um, it depends on the. That's 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 a tough question to answer from this standpoint. Is twenty percent of all Vietnam vets were shooting heroin uh, during Vietnam, and the reason is is because there were stricter laws on marijuana than there was on heroin. And when most of them came back and they weren't around the crazy environment of war, they just quit on their own. Uh, and so this whole notion that it hijacks the brain, well, it depends on the environment. If you shift the environment and there's no trauma attached to the person, and I've learned a lot of this through my friend Gabor sure. Mate, who's considered one of the top addiction doctors in the world, uh, is that a lot of people, if they don't have trauma in their childhood and they just happen to get into a binge in excess, you know, like some people go to Vegas and they you know, hire hookers and they drink excessively and do drugs and they come back and they don't have this compulsion to do it again. Other people can't stop. Sure. So what is the not being able to stop part? It's, it's, it's not about the drugs per se. It's about the stress. It's about the biochemistry of the person. So uh, people that are full-blown addicts, very few. Without a community, without 12-step groups, without um, you know, getting into the body, without doing trauma work, without learning how to breathe, without changing your diet, I mean, it's, it's very rare. That's why there's such a huge relapse rate for... Uh, people going through rehab centers and, and stuff. And, and, and again, I, I know more than the average bear about Sounds addiction, like, yeah. and I've done a lot of treatment. How many addicts in the, do you know the number of how many addicts in the United States? Well, it depends on the addiction. I mean, right. if, uh, like, uh, I mean. Well, we're all, almost all of us are addicted to something. Well, right? maybe. I, I've, I've heard that a lot, uh, and a lot of people believe we're all addicted to something. I, the way that I would define addiction is doing something you don't want to do or that you do want to do and not being able to stop that has compulsivity attached to it and that has negative consequences attached to it. Certainly, most people have something that is their thing, and most people have a vice, and it's very rare that, I mean, if you look at the thing that is most interesting to me today, I used to do drugs, and so when I quit doing drugs, uh, something that helped, though, is when I removed myself from the environment, I started working out and exercising for the first time really in my life. And then I met someone there who actually ran a mental hospital, and I got a job as a mental health tech. And so when I went to this hospital, I used to drive the patients to AA meetings and NA meetings and CA meetings, Narcotics Anonymous, Cocaine Anonymous, and I would sit in on these meetings, never realizing later in life how instrumental that would be. be Now, I quit doing the drugs, but my core addiction, which I didn't realize then, was was sex addiction. Mm. And so later in life, that manifested in pain for sex because I wired it back to when I used to get paid uh, when I was molested as a kid to not say anything. It wired in my mind that sex is bad, sex is dirty unless you pay for it. And what sexual addiction is, is an intimacy disorder. And the way that I would define intimacy, this is not my definition, it was given to me by uh, just a brilliant guy who literally sponsors people that have sexual addictions. Because sexual addiction is really an intimacy disorder. Sex addiction sounds... I've met amazing, caring, wonderful human beings, men and women, that are sex addicts. But if you hear sex addict, they think, oh, they're just a pervert or they're abusive. And that's not necessarily the case. All addicts 
on all levels, it, when they're modern in addiction, they lie, they cheat, they steal, they do bad things. So I'm not yeah. making excuses for bad behavior here. What sure. I'm saying is that the, 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 the cause of it. So intimacy is a mutual exploration of a shared safe place. Abuse is anything that takes away the safe place. And addictions are what we do to make ourselves feel good when we don't have a safe place. So people that are doing something addictively, uh, they don't feel safe in the world. They could be the strongest motherfucker on the planet. They could control companies. They can, but they could be out of control internally. So it's this inability to connect. It is a connection disorder. And so for me, the that you know the things that made the pain go away were sexual experiences. But the problem is, it would always lead to more guilt and more shame. And when you are an addict. You go through you and never get enough of it, right? Yeah, like I have a friend named Pat Carnes, who's literally the top sex addiction doctor in the world. If someone types in my name and Pat Carnes, you can watch a whole interview on YouTube about sexual addiction that I did years ago. And there's like 20 million sex addicts in the United States. So to ask you a question, how many? It depends on you know because sure, there's sure. so many different addictions, well, yeah. but there's millions. Let me put it that way. I can and, tell you how many Spartan addicts there are. It's a yeah. lot. How many are there? There's millions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but I'll tell you, it's probably a, a wonderful outlet. It's a good for, yeah. for these, uh, you know, these I don't know if they say it's better than sex, but, but it's good. It's well, healthy. you want to know something funny? Like one of the few things that will make the brain light up. The only thing that I know of, and I could be wrong here because we're yeah. always discovering new things about the human brain. I mean, my, my friend Daniel Amen has scanned my brain six different times. He's scanned the brains of more addicts on all types of addiction than anyone in the world. And the only thing that makes the brain light up quicker than uh, sexual imagery is uh, crystal meth. So whenever we see something that we find sexually arousing, it just happens before you can even think about it. So when, you know, and everyone has an arousal template. So whenever you're introduced to something that turns you on, if it's, if you are introduced to that at an early age and it's very negative or very toxic, so when you see women, as an example, that are with abusive men that beat them or something, you can probably trace it back to an arousal template that early on in their life they were they were sexually assaulted, they were raped, something happened. And and the same thing with men. You know, so the the, the, the shit that people get off on, if you just look at people's lives, it makes sense why they do what they do. Like Gabor Mate, who wrote in the Realm of Hungry Ghosts, he's a dear friend of mine, I'm interviewing him this year at my annual event. He's like one of the top addiction doctors in the world. And he he, he says something very important. He says the question is not why the addiction, but why the pain. And so depending on the level of pain is how And then you're going to seek something. Like I seek burpees. Burpees is my safe place. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah well, what, what, would, what do you think would happen to you if you were forced to not be able to exercise, exercise for like a month? What, has that happened to you where you've gotten injured or you've been in a situation I was recently? In, I was in a bad injury, and we'll get into it. Um, 2004, I went out the car, a car window at 85 miles an hour. My leg was ripped out of my hip. I was exercising the next day. So um, it's clearly a problem, mm-hmm. but but if I can't do it, I'm I'm crazy. I'm a crazy. I, I just I get the shakes. I got to do it. Well, let me say this because we've talked right. about this off camera. Whereas I want people to start thinking about addiction. Is it a problem? Does it cause problems? Absolutely. It wrecks right. lives. It ends lives. It causes enormous torment. I think it's the greatest human crisis we have. The wars, the anger the environmental issues, the diseases, most of these things are created, caused, precipitated, and agitated because of addiction. I think if we, if we could, if, if I controlled the world, which I don't, I would put as much resources intelligently, not just throwing money at something that does nothing, uh, intelligently at the treatment of addiction, at the changing the global conversation. But you're, you're, doing, you're doing that. Yeah, I'm, I'm attempting to do that with artists. Get into that quick. Okay, let's hear it. Artists for Addicts yeah. is a platform I started with my partner John Butcher, who uh, is the chairman of Precious Moments, the largest collectible company in in the world. And he's had uh, two brothers and uh, another family member that died as a result of addiction. And uh, he's uh, struggled with it himself, as have I. And we came together and said, "How can we use create a platform where we can educate people with most of the information we put out to the world, uh, giving people because education, as you found out with carpet cleaning, is powerful." Super right? powerful. I'm sitting here listening to you, and I'm taking a whole different view on addiction. Yeah. Just, just in an hour with you. Right, right. right? And, and so I want to I wanna help change the global conversation right. about how people view addicts and use art and, and the people involved in the arts as a way to link people right. into it. So 
musicians, uh, painters, sculptors, writers, entrepreneurs, all people in, in, in the world of... Uh, Where of, addiction of, is prominent. Very much so, right. because you know so many artists are addicts. Like Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi, who wrote the book Flow, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. he says that the same neuropathways that it, uh, a top performer, athlete, uh, uses to get into a flow state are the same neuropathways that an addict uses for self-destruction. So if you think about our brains, uh, you can either use this incredible resource we have as humans, and you can either do incredible stuff with it or the same neural pathways that will cause self-destruction. So my whole thing is instead of viewing these people as moral degenerates, if you understand that they're not... No one wakes up and say, I'm going to become a drug addict. I'm going to become a gambling sure, addict sure. or a food addict or a sex addict. I mean, like no one aspires to do that. These are byproducts. These are symptoms of a much deeper problem. And the symptom is the inability to connect with others, shame, guilt, fear, uh, biochemistry. And, it, and it's so much, not just addiction, depression, anxiety, mental illness, physical body pain, so much of the pain that people have, mental and physical, is repressed emotions. And so in, instead of viewing these people as these moral degenerates which in, in imprisoning them, like we were talking earlier off camera, 1% of the U.S. population is incarcerated. 80 to 90% of people that are incarcerated, drugs and alcohol were involved. Like, there are violent crimes. There are certain things that I'm not saying people should not have some sort of um, retribution. Something has to be done if someone does. However, most of the people that are in cages did not commit violent crimes. A lot of them, you know, like they're just hurt people. And and we have the criminal justice system treating addiction when it needs to be a different industry that that understands where it's coming from. So our goal with Artists for Addicts is to change the global conversation about how people view addicts and to capture and record our research as we identify and find the best forms Potential of treatment that have, so has efficacy. Yeah. So we're looking at everything from float pods to all forms of exercise. Spartan to, race. Yeah. I can't tell you how many uh, emails we've received that people say, hey, I had this issue, I had that issue, and I don't have any more. Because I think people need to define themselves in some way. And so there yeah. are certain people that somehow find Spartan and define themselves with that. And I'm sure others define themselves with art or, or whatever it is, right? But you need something. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what I think, right. uh, and, 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 and this is only one aspect of it, is, yeah. for one, it's community, okay? You, Which you, like you, have, you have driven, crazy, right. freaking right. people that want to get together and bond with each other. Yeah. And I'll tell you, like, when, they, when, when Vietnam vets came back from Vietnam and they would go to therapists and a lot of them weren't getting help, when they would put them in a room with other vets who had been through the trenches with them, yeah. the mutual suffering created a bond it. it wasn't there. So bonding is what's happening at Spartan in a big way. It. It's just bonding. Yeah. Secondly, the physical movement of it. Now, like Dopamines some, and everything going on. Everything. Right, I mean, right. we're, we're feeling in, good. Totally. Right. And, and you're, you're giving, you're it's, giving it's people a, a meaning. Yeah. Right. You're, you're, right. You're in, in, and you're giving something for people to aspire for. And people, people want to be challenged. Sure. You know, the, these are, you know, most people that are, that are attracted to it, I would think, uh, are... So people that don't kind of get the mindset would be like, what the fuck is wrong with these people? Why are they doing that thing? But if you really get inside, what is it actually doing for their heads? Let me, let me, let me create an accomplishment. Let me find out what I'm made of. Let me see if I can do this. Mm-hmm. Right. And when they do, oh my God, they've transform, just... Transformative. Right. Transformative. So you're not selling a transaction, you're selling a transformation. All right. That was um, probably the longest podcast we've ever done in the history of our podcast, but it was awesome. You're Thanks. welcome. Thanks for having and, and by the way, we've never done it in such a beautiful setting. Yeah, and I'll say uh, uh, just one thing. Yeah. If you want to see the Artist for Addicts trailer, just go to artistforaddicts.com and watch our video trailer. That'll give more context about this. I just it. watched it. It was awesome. It's worth watching. Check it out. We'll probably provide a link, I would think. The woman holding the camera does all that stuff. Yeah, she's great. All right. Thank you. Man. That was great. So this was, again, the episode with Joe Polish, master connector, probably known as the most well-connected guy. And he doesn't just connect people. It's the way he brings people together is just being around them elevates everybody's status. And he's so inspiring to like be being around. around you. Yeah. You know, one compliment a day. So we're, I'm out of, co- you know, you can't compliment me anymore. anymore. But yeah. the way he overcame uh, addiction and then found a way to, to say, you know what, I'm going to pull myself out of this, I'm going to move forward, and he got into the carpet cleaning business, but he found out that people didn't want their, it wasn't that I want my carpet cleaned, it was the, what was the outcome of it, he learned to take the marketing deeper, so he started 
experience, getting people to experience how your world changes when we come and clean your carpet. People come over, it smells good, everybody wants to be there, your life gets better. So he took it to this like emotional level. He basically, you know, quote unquote, broke the rules of marketing, became this industry transformer of carpet carpet cleaning, yes. And then from there, he started teaching his marketing methods. In fact, I've got some of his oldest stuff. It was on cassette tape. So for anybody who's around around my age, cassette tapes, he would interview people and he would basically immerse himself for, in learning from them the best of the best. And what he wound up creating is, you know, this genius network where he brings together. I attended one of those events and I remember saying, I'm just going to go here and get one idea and I'm trying to get the idea from the speakers, and my big idea actually came during lunch. And that's what he does, is he surrounds you with amazing people, and somebody, we sit and have lunch, and they said, what's your biggest problem? And I say, oh, and they go, that's not a problem, that's an opportunity. And just being around um, the people he brought in made me think, I get goosebumps thinking about it. Well, I was talking about how people were just copy, cut and pasting my website, and uh, the guy that I was sitting next to says, that sounds like a great problem. He goes, that means you need to provide yeah. that for them. You need to provide like a way for them to build websites. And it changed my, as Joe says, changed my frame of reference. There was somebody sitting at the table, you know, they were announcing you, you kind of stand up, introduce yourself. And I talk about what I do. And then this one person at my table was making over a hundred million dollars a year. And it just it just said, wow. It's still I, attending a self-help seminar. Yeah, Absolutely. I, I said, I need to think much bigger. That, that was the thing is they thought so much bigger that it broke down boundaries. And it's an obstacle. Yeah. An obstacle well, becomes your opportunity. Well, how, I'm sorry. Yeah. How, how long ago? This all started really before kind of social media was out there, right? I mean. From what I took out of this, he believes he's, in a one-on-one. He's, uh, he would do in, interpersonal mailing, right? relationships. He would go. Right? He he became a direct response marketer. He started going to people's homes, and he would show basically, I believe, like a uh, a movie of like you know he he saw what normal carpet cleaners were doing, and he took it to a whole nother level. Then he started sending out you know newsletters about you know it's this season. There's these kind of bugs that might be. In the carpets, and this might be happening. So he was educating people about overall cleanliness. He took that stuff, and then he started teaching other carpet cleaners. And there's something that I love is that he saw how it changed his life to learn to become this better human, not just a better marketer, better businessman. And he said, I'm going to change the lives of other carpet cleaners who are struggling because he saw family businesses, they were struggling, and he started teaching them how to... uh, how to change marketing and essentially change the lives of others, change their own lives. And then he took it to uh, outside of carpet cleaning. So now at his, you know, uh, Genius Network, he's got, you know, uh, Joe there. He brings Tim Ferriss, Tony Robbins, Dean Graziosi. He brings what he calls industry transformers, but it's because of how they think. That's uh, just when you mention those names, that's something really important for us to acknowledge is that he also did a great service for us, bringing a lot of those people into, into our circle. I know a number of interviews that, that we've done do recently that, that yeah. he set up, and um, so a huge, huge thanks. I also wanted to mention that, um, as you mentioned there, he, he's, he's a big thinker. He doesn't just look at the, this picture. He looks at this picture, and how can it expand out? And I loved when he talked about the five different ways to get paid, mm-hmm. that it's not just about the money. You know, it's about um, the connections, the acknowledgement, uh, making you better along the way. And, but most importantly, how powerfully he communicates these ideas. He's such a clear, concise communicator and really draws, like you said, the passion out of it. It's, it's not just ABC. It's, you know, A, B, what does C do for me? Yeah, it's, Incredible. I, I, that's, that's when he was talking about the more woo. Yeah, yeah exactly. Ah, yeah. I mean, he's a guy who wants that. He had, um, <clears throat> at his seminar when I was there, he had an economist there yeah. who was one yeah. of, I think, the founders of uh, one of these big um, fitness gyms. And they spoke about how um, they just got rid. They found they uh, surveyed people who had health problems, high blood pressure, overweight, and they found out why they don't go to the gym, what were the main issues, and they came up with all these common answers. I'm intimidated. I don't know what to do. It's too much money. Uh, so they created this a business by surveying, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of people, and they made the equipment user-friendly. They didn't have heavy weights, and they created something that people wanted, and it was amazing how 
forward thinking everybody was. And I always say success leaves clues. So I just started picking up. You, I said, you do say I, that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's only a couple of things. It's like, you know how Joe is live and die by the burpee? I'm thinking mm. success leaves clues. Sure, absolutely. Well, I, think, I, think the, I think the important part of marketing for any industry that you're in, right, is bringing the humanist aspect of it. So even though carpet cleaning seems like it's so esoteric and people don't really think about it, when you relate it back to your family's health and to, you know, just like the overall, once again, ecology of everything that has to do with carpet, whatever industry you're in, think about like what are actually all the effects on the family, on the person, on the individual. And then that can really help you have a more direct message that's actually like more emotionally impactful, which mm-hmm. makes you have more loyalty to the product, right? Yep. But I think it's also important to talk about with him because he's a great resource in terms of addiction. And he had a lot of really great kind of paradigm shifting ways to look at addiction and the relationship with addiction and how it's probably his carpet chemicals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean but it's true. I mean like when 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 you look at when you look at anything, sometimes you need to have that zoom out kind of eagle eye perspective on things to be able to I think people to to relate to him because he always says he goes look I was a dead broke carpet cleaner I had drug addiction Relatable. and he wants people to see you know I wasn't you know I didn't have this handed right. to me the struggle and is real correct right, sure. we're all we're all right. capable and we and and he I think he maybe says it to remind himself like okay I might be on this platform or on this stage and uh, but I got here by just it was, you know, as you said, the obstacle was actually my opportunity in hiding. Yeah, and you become like greater than the sum of your parts, right? When when you when you bring those people in, because the potholes and the and the areas of intellect that you don't hold, they do. And ultimately, with that formation and with that network, with the genius network, then whatever you're doing, you become more successful. So as Joey says, you're the you know the sum of the your five best friends, five five average best friends, right? And so then. You come into Joe Polish's world, and that's I, probably a pretty I high number. I feel that it's all that similarity. The Spartans feel better when they're together. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that all those big-thinking entrepreneurs— It's or, community and camaraderie. I, I, and I bet when they're alone, you feel, wow, I'm thinking so big. Everybody's saying I'm crazy. I shouldn't do this. But then when you get around this yeah. genius network, yeah. they're like— Hey, it's cool to be crazy. Oh, well, yeah, it's crazy yeah. change it, it's, it's liberating to be around people who think like you. And, yes, and, sure. and, and, and you can learn from people who don't. Don't think like everything, but, but it yeah, gives you license when people. Everything have is social. Everything is socially contagious. If you're around That's people right. who all think that way, it's contagious. You're going to think that way. Just like if you go home and everyone's talking down and they're saying what you do is crazy and you shouldn't be thinking so big. As hard as you try and fight it, it pulls you the other way. So it is Absolutely. really important to keep yourself around people like that. I want to say, Wait, if you want to see more people like no, this... No, I have one more thing I have to say, okay. Johnny. Say I have one more thing I have to say. When, you, when you're talking about the diversity of people and things, right, it just reminds you of the resiliency of a forest ecosystem, right? The strength... A monoculture, when you have all corn, is completely resistant to pest and disease. And when you're surrounding yourself by all the same thought and all the same things, you're really weak, actually. And a strong forest is when you have a ground cover, a shrub, a canopy, a vine layer, right? So when you have that diversity of intellect and thoughts, that same mycelium I always talk about, you're a a lot stronger and a lot more resilient. So diversify your life and then and then Johnny where do we go no I want you to take us out because that's a great note (laughs) okay well and if you want to uh, continue to diversify your thought ecology visit spartan.com slash podcast or where else Johnny Uh, iTunes YouTube subscribe wherever we can be found wherever we can be found thanks so much cheers Patel thank you for watching another epic story of success if you like our message please share Spartan up with your friends and subscribe on iTunes YouTube or wherever you catch our show maybe in the woods Spartan up is brought to you by Spartan Race to find a race near you visit Spartan.com (laughs) 